Hi, and welcome to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. I am so excited. This episode is really special to me because we have my friend, and she's an amazing independent educator, and she's just doing huge things. So welcome, Dawn Bradley. Hey. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be on your podcast right now. You have no idea. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. For my listeners, do you want to just tell um, them a little bit about what you do? Yeah. I always like, this is such a funny question because people will be like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a stylist, but also educate, uh, but like not in, and I'm like I get this like long drawn out answer. Um, but I've realized that my condensed version is um, I educate in the hair industry, like how I didn't come up with that simple answer before, oh, that <laughs> um, is but so I am simple. a <laughs> Yeah, I'm an educator in the hair industry, Um, but I am a hairstylist first and foremost. I've been a hairstylist for 19 years, which is so crazy to me because I still feel like I'm 19 years old. Um, And then in the last five years, I started educating, and then in the last two years have transitioned to my full-time gig is education um, online and, and a little bit in person, but COVID is definitely changed that put a damper on it for sure Mm -hmm. this feels like such a full circle moment for me because we met and that I feel like this podcast is almost a result of my transition thanks to your program so this is a very cool moment look at that little (laughs) plug just kidding yeah (laughs) rock your business Um, I didn't even mean to do that go me Donkelly.com slash R-Y-B. No, um, I <laughs> check like, it out. <laughs> Jody. It, it thrills me to hear that because it's, I'm so glad that could be the catalyst for change. Cause it's like, you know, you did it all for yourself and I'm so freaking impressed with everything that you're doing. You're taking, I don't think people see like when people see people, other people doing things, they go, Oh wow, that would be so cool. But I'm too terrified they mm-hmm. must just have like some magic formula or like someone gifted them or handed things to them or like it was easy for them. But like for me, it would be too hard. And I think we don't talk about the risks and the giant leaps we take enough. Like from the moment I remember getting on a video call on Instagram with you when you're like, hey, I'm thinking about joining your program, but like, I don't know because I don't, this yeah. is where I'm at. And that was like our first time chatting. And I think I, I like think from that was like a year ago, pretty much a year it, ago. It is almost right? a year ago. Oh, yeah. I know. It's like our anniversary. <laughs> oh, how timely is it that we're that I'm on your podcast? I like, know. It just goes to show what can happen. Yeah, like truly, we we get so caught up in the day-to-day and what's not happening quick enough. And all of a sudden a year's gone by and you go, Holy poo, I did a lot, right? Totally. And I think like it's it's so cool that we're talking about this because the whole premise and the whole reason that I wanted to start this podcast was to kind of get behind the curtain a little bit and examine how all different hairstylists, so everyone who has been on has started as a hairstylist and how they've kind of paved their own success path. And all of those paths look so different. And all the amazing people that I get to talk to, they're all in really different spots in their career. But it's so amazing to me that we started out in the same place. And it's it, it's not, like you said, it's not like some magic advantage. It's mostly just taking the risk and deciding to kind of put something on the, on the line to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I think that's the thing is like anyone that's doing something that's worthwhile, put something on the line. Oh, totally. Totally. You Mm -hmm. have to. There's no growth doesn't come from comfort zones. So I love that you said that. Um, So, okay. I would love to hear about like baby Dawn, like entering the industry. So what did that look like? Because now you've built this amazing business um, and you're still behind the chair, but like, what did it look like at the beginning? Um, like of the like Dawn's first day of hair school, are you thinking? Yes. Yeah, or like Dawn's for yeah, Dawn's first day at like the salon, maybe. At the salon. So I remember getting offered. So we had this competition at the end of hair school where um a couple hairstylists from a local salon came by and judged us and I got second place. That's like the story of my freaking life is like I don't <laughs> think I've ever gotten first place. And not that I need to, but like I'm like, oh, right? Anyway, um, I got second place because I had like a color stain on the neck or something. And I was like, freaking kidding me. Anyway, oh. I ended up getting uh, offered a job. I went and did some like in salon to get my hours done. And I got offered a job. They're like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't really know. Like this was just going to be like a thing I did to make my parents happy so that I wasn't like, <laughs> you know, still living at home after high school. Uh, but I'm probably going to university because that's what was expected of me. And that's what was encouraged because that mm-hmm. was a um, quote unquote uh, reliable future. And so when I got first day at the salon, I was nervous because I have social anxiety and I have like, I don't, I want to like break it down to like, I have anxiety around going new places for the Mm -hmm. first time. Like I made my boyfriend come to a new workout place with me the other day. Now I'm fine going by myself, but I just need someone to hold my hand the first time I go anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I just like need to know what to expect. I need to know the way, like, is there parking outside? Like, you know, all that stuff. Anyway. Mm -hmm. So I don't, really remember my first day, but I remember being really intimidated because there's all these fashionable people and I didn't feel like I was super fashionable. Um, I was like very insecure about my appearance. I didn't have money to go buy new clothes. So I just kind of didn't, you know, had whatever clothes. Uh, and I was scared that I was like, I like doing this thing, but like, I don't really feel like I fit in. I'm not really into the whole, like just the looks thing. Right. And so baby Dawn was very shy, very scared, very unsure of herself And thought that this would be something that would probably get me through university until I got a quote unquote real job. Wow. And I (laughs) I think that, wow, I think so many people like looking at you today, I just think it would be so surprising to anyone that you were in that place because you're, I mean, you're very open about like your struggles with anxiety and everything, but you're so confident and you're so um, like sure of yourself and you're really helping people. So how, how did that transition happen? Um, faking it. (laughs) I I know people like really don't like the fake it till you make it thing, but truly I had to step into this suit of confidence and it was kind of like, I thrive on challenge. I thrive on like people telling me I can't do something. So I'm like, you watch and I'll show you, I'll prove you wrong. Like I've got a little bit of a chip on my shoulder that way, I guess. Like tell me I can't Mm -hmm. do something. I'll show you. And, um, I think it's just really like time and experience. And when I say experience, it's not that like these wonderful, flowery, beautiful experiences got handpicked and given to me. It's like, I went through some really dark places. I went through some really scary places and I kept going through until the sunshine came and I'm able to look back on those experiences and go, wow, that was really hard. I don't know if I really dealt like I like the way I dealt with this one situation, but I don't like the way I dealt with this one. And and how would I want to deal with it in the future? And it's through those 
you know, climbing those mountains and going through those valleys that I've been able to gain perspective. And instead of being like, oh, like I didn't deserve that or life handed me really shitty cards or like it was totally that client's fault that her hair turned out the way she didn't tell me this. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, like really it took a lot of maturity on my part and getting to a point where I was mature enough to reflect and realize like, how could I have handled this differently? Why am I deflecting so much instead of internally looking on how, cause I wanted to like, if I could project everything on everybody else, then I didn't have to worry about changing anything about myself. Cause it was everyone else's issue. And so I think my confidence came in learning to reflect and own my own shit. I hope I can swear okay. on this podcast. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> owning my own shit, owning when I messed up, owning when I made a mistake. Cause I'm human. And that's the reality of it is that there is no such thing as perfect. There's no such thing as hitting a home run every single time. And the moment that I start to get started to get comfortable in the fact that I am going to fail over and over and over again, and there's going to be more failures in the future and just learning to be like, those are going to teach me things. And those are going to help me become stronger. It's actually helped me become a lot more confident just being like, and being honest about it. The moment I was able to open up and get rid of this front of, and this, sorry, I'm going way on a tangent, but when I moved to Calgary, um, I put on this front that I had all my shit together and I wanted to like, I was really excited to move to a bigger city because I'm from a small town. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really excited to move to a big city and make it big because I felt like I had the skill and the talent. I was like, I know I'm good. I just need to be out there. So I put on this front that I was the shit. Meanwhile, I was feeling really insecure. And I thought that I needed to have this tough exterior like nothing goes wrong because that's what making it is. And then I like spiraled into intense anxiety and I had people not love their hair and, you know, it was like maybe one or two or three people, but then I felt like, you know, they're going to tell the whole city and everyone's going to find out I'm a complete fraud. Mm-hmm. And the moment I started being more honest about being like, Hey, I'm human. And, you know, I, I can do great kick-ass hair, but it doesn't mean everyone's going to like the way I do hair and I'm going to make mistakes and, you know, I'm going to have a brain fart and put the wrong toner on someone's hair. The moment I started, started being open about that, my confidence grew. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Once you start to release the expectations that everything's going to turn out perfectly, life gets easier for sure. So you started your career in a commission salon, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then, yep. so at what point did you make the jump to being independent? And why did you make the jump to being independent? Because you've been you've been on your own for what, like 10 years? 10 years. 2010 was when I went out on my own. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So- I was doing really good in the salon. I think I was making like $60,000 a year, which is great money, right? And Mm -hmm. I was really happy. And I had always dreamed of having my own business in one way, shape, or form, uh, even before I got into the industry. And then I thought, you know, like, I'll probably have my own business. But it was scary. And I had it really good. And I had a wonderful boss. She, I remember being like, her name was Tony. And I said, Tony, like, I was like 20. I was like, I really want, no, I was 19. I was like, I love working here, but I really want to go to Australia. I'm like, this is the time in my life to go. And I really want to go for six weeks. Can I have my yeah. job waiting here for me? And she was like, um, so like, I'd love to give you that time off, but I'm going to have a chair that's not generating income for six weeks. And that's, that's an issue. She's like, so how can we make this work for both of us? And like, she was such an amazing boss that she was like, she heard my request and she educated me because I wasn't a business owner. I didn't even think about the fact that there would be an empty spot, not generating income. Right. I was yeah, like, can totally. I just have my job back? 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she was like, let's make this work so that it works together for both of us. She's like, I love you as an employee. So she did that all, all the time. And she like had us on a great sliding scale for commission and she really believed in us and she encouraged us. And I really like, she, she was just the right boss for me. Like it, mm-hmm. it made it, we had benefits it made it too good to leave. Right. And I was yeah. like, okay, like I'd love to go on my own, but like, why? Mm-hmm. Um, and then she sold the business <laughs> and someone else took over and they didn't do anything illegal or wrong, but they just had different plans for their business. And a lot of those perks and benefits and a lot of the caring that she put into it and infused into it, uh, dissipated and no right. longer was it too good of a place to leave. Um, you know, and I could, go on and tell you some really shady, terrible things that happened and not even from my boss, but like uh, just stuff that made it to the yeah. point where I was like, I can, this is a toxic environment. I can't stay mm-hmm. here uh, when I don't feel supported or that, you know, my boss has my back. Um, oh, so I had to, yeah. right. So when you don't feel that support, like I always say like, and, and it, the wonderful thing, like I can't imagine, I can't imagine buying a business and taking on uh, a whole staff that have been used to a business running one way. And then you're like, Hey, we're going to actually do it this way. There was like, I think like 10 or 12 of us that left within a year and Mm -hmm. not to say that they weren't running the business wrong. They were just running it the way they wanted to run it. And you're going to lose people that way just because things change. Right. Anyway. So that was the kind of the thing that spurred on that reignited that fire in me to have my own thing. Because all of a sudden it wasn't too good to leave. All of a yeah. sudden I was miserable at work. All of a sudden I didn't get the perks and the benefits the way I used to. What's keeping me here? And mm-hmm. so I pieced out. And I could tell you that's a whole other story. But um, yeah, I went out on my own. I had no idea what I was doing. And I actually um, gave my two weeks, but I was walked out that night, which is, a you know, wasn't um, – isn't as, as common practice, I don't think in our industry, but it's very common practice in the corporate world. And that was a shock to me. I wasn't expecting that. Um, so I remember being like, Holy crap, I thought I had two weeks to plan. And all of a sudden I was like, okay, I'm out. I just packed up all my stuff. I remember like crying on my way home being like, Whoa, that's not how I thought this would go down. Um, once again, it wasn't anything bad or terrible. It was just, I did not expect it. And then I was just kind of like, I got to make this work. So I think I like started taking clients within two days. Um, I didn't have everything set up. It wasn't perfect. Like it was by, we had like two by fours on the floor behind my chair, like, you know, but I was like, Hey, I got to make an income and I got to do this. So I did it less than perfect, but my clients were excited about it. They were so excited. And I was like, sorry about the construction. They're like, Oh my gosh, don't worry. Like, I'm so excited. Congrats. So that's my story of like, you know, I had it really good. And I think that's like a testament to like, if you're a salon owner, you have to make your place so good that they don't want to leave. Yes. Yeah. Cause I would have, and you know what? And I want to, I thank that person who, who bought the salon for, you know, I'm sure it was incredibly tough for, for them to take over this business. She had worked in the bit. She had been a coworker of ours and mm-hmm. that took over, which is another thing. It's like a, an authority shift, right? They were your peer and now they're your boss. And yeah, so, that would be tough. Oh my gosh, I do not envy that position she had to go through, right? And no. she was doing the best she knew at the time as a new business owner. And and it was a husband and wife team. But I have to thank them for it, <laughs> despite it was less than ideal. Because without that, I wouldn't have gotten reignited that fire to do my own thing. And I wouldn't have trusted my gut to move forward. And so, wow. you know, what, what was a really crappy, not fun thing to go through has now, I wouldn't be where I am now without No. That. 
And think about the people that like probably you wouldn't have helped if it weren't for that one moment. So I think that's so cool. Um, And I want to touch on something you just said because I love that. So um, you just said that when you moved into your new space, even though it wasn't perfect, your clients were excited. And I think that so often, and I've done this, um, stylists will stay somewhere where they're not happy or pass up an opportunity because of this like fear that our clients are going to leave us because they're going to hate the change. And I think we assume and wrongly sometimes that clients never, ever will support a change. And I found the opposite to be true. And it sounds like you found the opposite to be true as well. Absolutely. People go to a person more than a place. And especially now. Yeah. Like there will be people that will be loyal to a salon, especially if they have ties with the, with the business owner. But okay, Jody, this is so many, I look back and laugh. I worked um, in a downtown salon in a, in a city of like 250,000 people. So it's not a huge booming city. And mm-hmm. I was in Saskatoon and I'm sure, you know, people are listening. Maybe if they're Canadian, they know Saskatoon. Um, <laughs> but I, li- I worked downtown and literally my salon was like, I want to say like less than five kilometers away. And I was like, <laughs> is anyone, is everyone going to be okay with this? Yeah. <laughs> In this city when it takes 15 minutes to get from one side to the next. Maybe it's different now. It's probably grown since I left. But truly, I remember being so nervous. Like, are people – I okay, now I have free parking. Are people going to be okay? Like, oh my gosh. They were so excited that they didn't have to go downtown and pay for parking anymore. I had a parking lot right outside my space. And they yeah. loved the privacy of it. And so – and I remember someone being like, be prepared for a 30% loss of, mm-hmm. of clientele. And I was like, okay, I'm prepared. If anything, I would say like 110% people followed me. I had, um, clients of coworkers follow me, which is so weird. Like I didn't solicit them. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but I remember one girl being like, I always wanted to come try. And I'm, this is, yeah, I'm tooting my own horn, but this isn't like an ego thing. I had one girl legit say like, I always wanted to come see you, but I was too scared of my stylist. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And like, I worked at, let me, I want to tell you, like, I worked in a salon that we encouraged people to see everyone. Like it wasn't right. a competitive environment, but I thought yeah. that was like being able to provide a private service for someone. Cause I went into salon suites didn't exist then. Um, right. I went into a 480 square foot retail space on the second floor of a strip mall. Um, mm-hmm. and so it was kind of like a suite. Um, and, and my clientele loved that it was just me and them in the room and we got to have so much, we, our connection just grew and our bond grew so much, which turned into a whole nother can of worms later on. But in the beginning, it was really, <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah. The beginning was, it was the, you know, the honeymoon phase. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, and if you knew then what you know now, then obviously, yeah. <laughs> but Absolutely. I love that. I think that's so cool too, because I remember feeling that exact same fear when I was going from one salon to another. And like, it probably would be a maximum of like a four and a half minute drive. And I remember mm-hmm. just being like, oh my God, like, what if nobody comes? What if nobody follows me? And I think I, like, I don't even think that I lost like one client through the move. But I remember that was like, it stopped me from making the move for like months, like months and months. I mean, like something little really bad. The back of your head says to you. Yes. Like, it makes this tiniest thing into this huge huge deal. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't move five kilometers with free parking because no one will yeah. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think some so often we like paralyze ourselves because we don't, like we want things to change and we want this totally different life, but we mm-hmm. don't want to let go of anything 
that we currently have, right? Well, Jody, I'm sure you've probably heard me tell this analogy before. And if anyone's, <laughs> I feel like you queued me up and I'm just hitting it now. Um, I love it. If you've watched the movie Free Solo, guy's climbing a mountain and he's holding onto a rock, but he, the other rock that he needs to get to is out of reach. And I think that's like the perfect analogy of we stand there going like, okay, I want that thing, but it's out of my reach. Does everyone just have longer arms than me? Like, yes. do does everyone else have like a prop? And you start to realize like, I have to push off this rock and be in suspension and in air, not holding onto anything for a moment in time and, but create momentum to get to that next rock. And it's scary as hell to not be holding on to anything. And the risk that exists in that brief half second moment, you know, if you hesitate, you'll fall back and you'll mm-hmm. fall off the mountain. And you know, like that's like the, the visual is he's like realizing, okay, the the whole the whole premise if people haven't watched it is like he's trying to scale this mountain without any um support. And so mm-hmm. although he's done it a million times, all of a sudden it's like if something goes wrong, he's not holding on to anything. He has no support. Um and I think that's the thing about taking risks. It's scary because you have to let go in order to get to the next phase. That's risk wouldn't be risk if there was a guarantee, right? Totally. Um but what I really love is with now with on, the online community, we have a safety net. We have that support. We still have to push off that rock in order to create the momentum to reach the other one. But now we have a net of support behind us. So if we do hesitate, people are like, I got you, we're holding you and we're going to help keep catapulting you forward. Totally. And I think that is just the power of community. Like right there, that mm-hmm. just really, it, it makes such a huge difference because when it does make the scary things less scary. Um, and I think that's like such a great thing about how I've seen the industry shift in my time behind the chair. I've now been behind the chair for like 15 years. Um, but I was raised in a salon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Like I always say I teethed on perm rods and people <laughs> think I'm kidding, but I'm not. <laughs> Like, 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 do you have a picture of that? Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna ask my mom. This was like in England in like you know '89, so (laughs) it's definitely possible. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I think it's kind of like amazing that now we have a lot more control over our careers than we ever did before. Like we have a lot more ability to like market ourselves, and it's we're no longer just relying on whatever salon we we work at at the moment. So I think that's been such an amazing shift. Like stylists have so much power over the direction that they want to take their career. Absolutely. There's no, like, I, I have this one phrase I say a lot is like, just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean you can't like there, we need to stop thinking that there's a one, a cookie size, like one size fits all. I remember thinking like, so I become a stylist, I get my license and then I work for a few years and then I own a business with staff below me. And then I remember realizing the day that I was like, I don't want to be a boss of a bunch of hairstylists. Like I love connecting with people and feeling kind of like a failure, like, oh, but that's like the next step in what is success for me. But now realizing like, oh, and I'm so glad I didn't get rope, like I didn't push myself into something that I was miserable in just because I thought that's what I should be doing. But yet I just stayed what I was doing loving. And then eventually like all these doors started opening and I started, this is the thing, doors don't open and and things come through them for you. You have to walk through them. You have to make the effort. And so not that things were presented to me and handed to me, not at all. Nothing's ever been handed to me. 
I've taken it, but opportunity doesn't come and present itself. You have to go chase it. And if you don't have the opportunity, go create it. And that's what I did. Like people started asking me about hair painting and I was like, wait a minute, I could probably teach this. And so Mm -hmm. I did only because a couple of people asked. I didn't wait for a company to come talk to me. I didn't wait for someone to be like, here's a magic wand saying you can be an educator, right? I just started. I was like, who wants a class? Okay, here it is. You know, it's interesting because having someone walk before you can be so empowering Um, because Mm -hmm. knowing your story, that's exactly basically what I did too. I was like, oh, this is something that people come to me for a lot of like a lot. And maybe that's something that, you know, I could help other people with. And that's just how it starts, how it happens. So I think that's the power of people like yourself sharing your story is someone can look at that and be like, oh that is possible for me, maybe, you know? Absolutely. Like, and I think that's the cool thing is like being able to know that what's possible is, is, is just having someone like one to two steps ahead of you can Mm -hmm. be, there can be so much power in that. Someone kind of, I I have this one analogy. I don't know if you know, but I'm kind of, I have this thing for analogies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't Um, know. Yeah. If you hang around with me (laughs) enough, but I talk about like, if you were teleported into the middle of a forest like it'd be really, and you had to get your way out and you just look around and you'd be like, holy crap, like, I don't know. And you have to like start going in a direction that there's, there's no path and you get hit and scraped and bruised by all the branches. But if you get dropped in the middle of the forest and you can kind of see where someone's already gone, you can kind of follow their path and you don't get scraped and bruised because you're not having to push through the brush. Someone else, else has already done that. And so you just follow mm-hmm. the path and it's not as scary. But then if you get thrown in the forest, in the middle of the forest alone, but with, well, not alone, but with some other people, even if they haven't been there before and there's kind of a path, it's mm-hmm. way less scary having like linking arms with other people and following the path of someone that's been before you. Totally. That's so, yeah, that's such a great analogy. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you, if there's someone who's say thinking like, you know, I, I think that I'm ready. I want to go independent. Like, what would you say to them? What would your advice be? Just do it. Don't over, stop overthinking it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And like, I know that's very impulsive, but like you can checklist and to do yourself to death of thinking, Mm -hmm. well, I should wait till this. I should wait. Shoulds, 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 woulds. I'd like, you know, I'd prefer this to be in place. Just do it. Because if you're stuck, be stubborn about your goals, but flexible about your approach. And I say that because I always swore I would never work from home. Now, I do not have the same standpoint about home-based lawns as I once did, but I used to for sure look down on them. I had my nose up in the air thinking like, I would never work from home. And then I moved to Calgary and I knew what my goals were. I knew I wanted to have my own space. I wanted to have control of the atmosphere and the environment. I wanted to be my own boss. And people were like, Don, you're moving to a brand new city. You should probably be an employee. And I kind of thought about it. I got my resume ready. And I was like, no, because I'm just going to piss off this owner in a year from now when I go out on my own. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at renting a chair and I went and visited a couple of salons and I was like, no, I need my own space. And I was really stubborn about my goals. I'm like, I ha- I can't. I still like, yes, I need to have my own business, but I need to have my own space. And that's when I realized like, I don't have a clientele here. I can't just go and rent a space. That would be irresponsible of me. So I got yes. flexible and I worked from home. And that wasn't something I wanted to do. 
but it ended up being the best thing for me. And so there's that stubborn about what my goals were, but flexible about my approach. I got flexible. I made a compromise. I worked from home for a year and then I found like the best, sweetest spot, which I'm currently, I've been in for the last five years. Oh, yes. I love that. And that's, that's such good advice. Cause it, I think you're right. It is easy to like overanalyze things to death. And uh-huh. I mean, if you wait for everything to fall into line and be perfect, you're never going to go anywhere. No. And people love a good transformation story, right? Like mm-hmm. people want to see the transformation. Like I have friends that are like, well, I can't take clients yet because the hardware for my drawers isn't come in yet. And I was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> What? And like, I'm so the opposite. Like I do things so imperfectly first and I'm like, you know what? I just got to get started because if I don't get started, I'm never going to get going. And so, and like my clients loved being like, oh, you like, look how much has changed in the last six weeks. Holy cow. You got your new sink. Oh my gosh. The ceiling, your lights. Wow. Like, look at all this. They love being able to see the transformation and the growth. And so that is I cool. know the, um, although I may be extremely different from perfectionists, um, I'm a control freak. And so that's where like my stuff kind of my little ticks come into play is like, I don't need everything to be perfect, but I need to be in control of everything. And so someone who struggles with perfectionism and not wanting to like, you know, people to see like the dust in the corner or like, oh, we don't have the perfect sinks or like not everything's the way I envision it. It's like, I get that you want to wait, but how are you, how much are you sabotaging yourself to just, totally. you just need to get started? I heard um, the other day someone say that like, if you, if everything's perfect, when you start, you waited too long. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me. I was like, oh yes, that's such a great way of putting it. Like it could have been you that said it actually, (laughs) but yeah, I think it's just, um, I think that's it. Like imperfect action is better than no action. You got to learn to be sucky at something because that's how everyone starts. Like no totally. toddler just stood up and started walking and talking just fine, right? Yeah, they felt exactly. <laughs> and no one told them to stop trying. <laughs> exactly. We don't go. We don't see the toddler and go, "Oh my gosh, that was so embarrassing. You should probably never try walking again," right? And yet we do that with ourselves. That's that so true. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so true. Oh, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on and. I am going to ask you one last question, but I feel like you kind of answered it. But if you have another nugget, then you just throw it our way. Throw it in so, there, okay. I love chicken nuggets, by the way. So I'm yeah. glad you used the word nugget. <laughs> I, oh my God. I we do know that you love chicken nuggets. Like chicken nugget wisdom. Chicken, chicken nugget wisdom from Don. So what advice would you give a stylist who was determined to rise, but needed a little guidance? So just like one piece of advice for a hairstylist that's just looking to pave their own success path. Just trust in those crazy dreams that you've got. You've got them for a reason. Keep, keep going after them. That's what I, is that, does that work? Oh, I love it. I love it. I've been like (laughs) sitting here nodding this whole episode. Like, yes. (laughs) Well, This was amazing. Thank you so much again for for taking the time to come chat with me. Oh my gosh, my pleasure, Jody. I am so honored to be here today. Thank you so much. I'm I'm just so thrilled and excited for this podcast. Oh. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode of Hairstylist Rising. It was such a fun one. I always love my conversations with Dawn and I'm really excited to be able to share that with you. So you can find her over on Instagram at Dawn Bradley Hair. If you are listening to this podcast on the day that it was released, 
you still have time to enter the giveaway for a scholarship to my program, the Beauty Brand Bootcamp. So if you are listening, the giveaway closes at 7 p.m. Pacific time on September 28th. So make sure you leave a rating and review, screenshot that you're listening to the podcast, and tag me on your Instagram story, and you could win. Good luck!